Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So welcome to the 1871 podcast. Uh, Mark's got COVID. So it's me, Johnny Hunt, presenting with my co-host, Dylan Kerr. And tonight's guest, we have got one of the best goalkeepers I've seen play. Dave Besant, cup winner, uh, first keeper to save a penalty in the cup final. And I think the first cat goalkeeper captain over 100 years to lift the trophy at Wembley. Um, and just a heads up uh, for our Saturday morning episode, we have another Reading legend, Jamie Curitan, join us. So welcome, Dave. How are you? Thanks, Johnny. Yeah, good to be here. I'm, uh, I'm fine. Thanks. Uh, getting by. I'm, I've had my COVID and uh, recovered from that, so I'm fine. Good, man. I think we're all going through this at the minute, and we had it the other week as well. So, Dave, I know, you know, yeah, you were part of Reading as a goalkeeping coach. How did that come about? It's 2015 you joined us, wasn't it? Yeah, it's, uh, it was quite strange, really, because um, I'd been away with Glenn Hoddle in Spain for, for three years. So I, I kind of was a little bit out of touch with the scene over here. You know, before I went out, he was getting phone calls. Can you do this? And then suddenly, because I was out there and having to turn a lot of stuff down, the phone calls all stopped when I, when I actually come back from Spain, from the academy. Um, and then my son got offered a contract at, at Stevenage and they yeah. didn't have a goalkeeping coach. So I actually started coaching him for a period of time. And then, you know, my good mate, Steve Clark, uh, when I was at Chelsea, my roommate, he got the Reading job at the end of the 14 season, I think. And, yeah. um, and he said to me, look, I'm making a few changes next season. If you'll be interested in coming in as part of the team, I'd like to have you. And so I was more than happy to come, you know, from, from what I was doing at Stevenage to coming to a club like Reading was a, was a no-brainer for me. So delighted to take up the post and, um, and join a, a team which Steve was putting together, which, you know, had a, a mixture of experience and, and youth. And, uh, um, you know, Stephen Reid coming on board as well, who's, who's you know, still in the game at, at uh, Nottingham Forest doing very well with them. And uh, yeah, it was an opportunity I couldn't turn down and really enjoyed it. When, and then obviously because Steve left, didn't he, to, to go past his new. Um, and then uh, we had a few changes, but then you had Yapstan come in, didn't you? 
you were there with with the app. Yeah, I mean, that, it was that was a for me, it was a great experience. It was a a real learning curve because although with Steve Clark, we we tried to play a system. Um, we we worked even the training was 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 so like regimental. It was all, really organised with Steve. It was you know we had a twenty minute session doing something, and then it was literally a two minute turnaround have your quick drink and then we're going. And if you weren't there in two minutes, the session was starting, you know, so the players were, were drilled into what they were doing. Um, very organized session. So we, we as coaches used to go out there a good hour before to set up. So as you went from maybe half a pitch to going on to the next pitch, which is, which is a full pitch session to return into the other half of the pitch to do a, a crossing and finishing session. So literally, you know, we had three areas already set up. And we would would move just like that, you know, when the whistle was blown, off you go, have a drink, whistle again, on you come, right, this is what we're doing, off we go again. So it was really organised. And then Yap took it to a kind of different level in the way that what he was asking the players to do. And when when I looked at what we had, because, you know, Steve questioned some of the things that were going on uh, regarding the players. And then Yap had a, a group of players to work with that had never been asked to do the job that Yap was asking them. And, and it was an education for the players. It was education for me as a coach. And I think the biggest education was for the fans to try and yeah. understand how, what he was trying to achieve with it. With it. And like you, you had, was it was Ali Al-Habsi, wasn't it? It was the keeper there, the main keeper you worked with there. What was that like? And who, who else did you have? Was Luke Southwood there as well as the youngster with you? Luke was a young lad, but what happened was when I joined the club, Steve Clark had said to me that he'd been um, kind of recommended Jonathan Bond. That's right, yeah. And I, I said I'd, I'd try and find out a little bit about him. I spoke to a few people, you know, people at Watford, people with England under 21, spoke very highly of him. And then, and then Ali became available on a, on a free and he was looking for a club. And, and I was more than happy to entertain Ali and bring him in. And, and like Ali was brilliant. He came in on a trial. Yeah. And we actually went to... Um, we went to Hong Kong. No, we didn't. We went to uh, Bangkok because we had Thai owners. We went out to there in a the pre-season. And Ali came on, on his own as, um, you know, on, on trial. So he put himself on the line to, to try and earn himself a contract. And he done, he done very, very well, Ali. Yeah, it's a good keep, wasn't it? And that, that season with, yeah, I mean, it was, it was kind of bizarre, wasn't it? Because some of the games we lost by ridiculous results. I think we lost 7-1 to Norwich. But then other games, you know, we we would close that. How from a from a goalkeeping defensive point of view, with you know, yeah, being a defender, how, what changes did he make? And um, you know, from an organisational point of view with the team, I know we try to play out from the back more, but it was it was difficult because you know, I've I've been looking at the team that we had in that playoff final. When you look at it on paper, you're thinking, blimey, how did we get to the final? You know, not being disrespectful to lads, no, when you, no. When you think of of the next step up, what it had been to being in the Premier Division, um, you know, we we were very we were quite light on the ground with with what we had as a squad, um, and like I say, you know, Yap was asking Ali to obviously pass out of the back, so my training methods had to change to to get him more comfortable with his feet, um, and I think that the the one thing that managers do, and you see it at every club now that that play the way they do, um, especially at the top flight. They accept the goalkeeper is going to make a mistake with it with the occasional pass. I can remember one game. I think it was 
it might have been Derby away. And Ali, Ali made a mistake there. And I'm thinking, oh, no, Ali. And, and Yap's like, don't worry about it. You know, tell him, tell no. him it's fine. Don't worry. Just keep playing. Keep doing it. Don't suddenly yeah. stop doing it. And I think that's that kind of gives a goalkeeper a little bit of more confidence in the fact knowing that if he makes a mistake, he could be out of the team. You know, the, the manager's asking him to do it. So he's prepared for it to make a mistake. And, and that's where you see managers that will, will actually protect the team by saying, you know, I'm asking him to do it. I want him to keep doing it. We will be better with him doing it eventually. So yeah. you know, it's it's, get, it's getting to that position where it's the eventual stage. And, and as it, like as a keeper, uh, played as a keeper a long time. You know, for mentality wise, you know, any mistake a keeper makes gets punished more often than not. How you know, is it for yourself as a keeper, and and then the guys, younger guys that you coach, how do you help them cope with the adversity of? you know, making mistakes and getting over it and moving on. Is it hard? I, th- I think you, you, you can use any goalkeeper as an example. You know, you can look at the greatest, you know, you can look yeah. at, you know, your, your Smichaels and, um, you know, see, you can look at anyone who you, you, you consider a great and say, they've all made mistakes. It's how you, you come back from it. It's, it's how many mistakes you make over the season, whether you can limit those mistakes. And, you know, the one thing I knew when Ali, Ali came to us, I was thinking, and, and Steve, Steve Clark said it to me. He said, he's got a rick in him. And I said, everyone's got a rick in him. Everyone's got a mistake in him. It's yeah. trying to limit those mistakes. And as the season went on, you know, some of his, I mean, he was player of the season that season. Um, yeah. You know, he's, his performances and his saves far, far, far outweighed the mistakes that he did make. And, uh, you know, there were times that he made a mistake and, and he was good enough to get, him, get himself out of it. And, um, you know, like with the team being so expansive, um, he got he got us as a team out of it a, a hell of a lot of times. Yeah. yeah and like the playoff final right, itself, I think most running fans, we just didn't really go for it. What was your, is the, you know, on the coaching staff looking at that game, what did you think? It was, I mean, it's amazing because Huddersfield got through to the Premier Division without scoring a goal. Yeah. In, in two, you know, and I thought, you know, our, probably our best performance was against Fulham in the in the semi-final playoffs. You know, we we played exceptional football against them. You know, they they were more attack minded. So it gave us the chance to attack as well. Although we had to defend well, um, we had that chance to to exploit their their areas where they because they're pushing forwards. Huddersfield, they tended to to sit back and I think they were happy to get a, a nil-nil. And the game yeah. just, it just was a dour game. It was a non-event, weren't it? You know, I think it was two teams. The first time I've really seen a, a playoff final where, where both teams were fearful of, of the, the, the failure, you know, to get to that, yeah. you know, the, two, the 200 million pound games and things like that, they're calling them. And uh, I think that it showed in both teams that the fear that was there. Yeah. I like pressure, like, you know, for goalkeeper like yourself, you know, going back to, 88, you know, the save against John Aldridge. And obviously, now you see goalkeepers with water bottles with every instruction written down. Did with Ali when you played, how did you approach the penalty shootouts? Because obviously, that's the one situation to keep you in a win win, isn't it? You're not expected to save. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I mean, we, you know, obviously, now in a modern day, you, you see everything. And like, you know, we have uh, our scouting systems where we, we look at, you know, previous games that the, our opposition are playing. and and literally, our analysts got up every penalty they had all season. So I would sit with Ali the day before, 
you know, we, a few days before, we go through it, we go through it. This is what they tend to do. Look at their run-up, try and see something. Because obviously, you know, they know they've been seen taking penalties. The, the last three penalties, they probably know that we've got them all logged where they went. So they've got to have in their mind, right, they see me take it. I might have to change it. And, and so Ali's got to try and spot something in their run-up that he might think will change it. And I mean, he made, he made the save early on, didn't he? Yeah. Um, which we thought was, was, you know, was the perfect start for us. And we just didn't expect our boys to miss any of them. Um, no, no. But, uh, you know, it's, that's, that's how you prepare. Like I say, the, you know, the, the, that side of the game has changed so much. The, the analysts or the, you know, the team performance, the, you know, the warm-up, I mean, we have as many, or well, we had, I assume it's the same now, had as many masseurs and physios, doctors travelling with the team as we did players on the, on the bus. You know, yeah. literally, you'd have to have another bus to take you know, <laughs> the medical staff. Dylan's being very quiet there. I'm just checking in, making sure he's... Are you there with no, us? No, listen. Dylan? No, Johnny, I'm listening because, you know, you know I like to pick up little things. And, and I, I do apologise about, about the noise in the background because it's the only place that's got a generator in South Africa. And it's a, it's a Thursday night Irish pub and it's a quiz night. So <laughs> it's, it's, full of, it's full of expats. So they'll never, ever close it down because it's where they make the money out here on the Thursday night. But I always remember watching Reading when Yaps stand. And who's the little midfielder that Ian used Kelly. to get the ball off the goalkeeper? Ian Kelly. Yeah. Honestly, I thought it was absolutely that for me introduced that way of playing with the two wide centre halves, and he used to come into the penalty box and take it. I mean, from a goalkeeper, you know, back in your day, where you used to, you used to Eddie Nidzvensky, who used to punt it <laughs> the length of the field. I mean, it wasn't heard of back in the seventies and eighties where the goalkeeper would play out the back. How did you adapt that into your coaching philosophy when you? When you obviously when you was playing, but then when you were coaching, but then when you had to do that with Yapstam and how he wanted to play, how did you adapt that into your coaching curriculum? And yeah, was it I difficult? Mean, like you're saying, I mean, with with me when when I was playing, all I would do is I get we didn't have many goalkeeping coaches, but when it got to a goalkeeper, I'd get a goalkeeping coach to put the ball onto my my swinger, my left foot, and hopefully I'd get it in the air. That was my main. I aim when a back pass came to my wrong foot was to at least get it in the air. Um, so that's, that was how we would work just to kick it as far as we could. And to be fair, like I say, you know, up until you know, probably five or six years ago, that's the way, the way goalkeeping was a little bit more accurate with its, with its distribution. But the fact now, like you're saying, suddenly goalkeepers are getting the ball. They're going outside the line of their goal to receive the ball. Where, whereas that was unheard of. You're thinking you're leaving your goal completely unguarded with someone maybe on the left side of the, the penalty box, the goalkeeper's going to the right side to give an option for a pass. And, you know, like I say, as, as the mentality would go as me as a goalkeeper from years ago, we'd be saying, I can't be out there because if he loses the ball or tries to pass somewhere in front, I've got to run 20 yards to get into my goal. You know, so, so things just didn't, didn't sit kind of really nice for me, first of all, but then understand, that's what I say that, I had to be educated as a, as a coach the way that Yap wanted us to play. And um, my learning curve was, was, was massive to, to understand in a way Yap wanted us to play, then translating that into my goalkeeping with Ali and Jonathan Bond and Luke Southwood and the goalkeepers, George Legg, that were there at the time. 
me translating that to them so as they understand what was expected. And let's say before it was how far you can get the ball away from your goal. And if you can hit it into an area where our players are expecting it, that's a bonus. Whereas now the game has gone on. It's a pass to a centre-back. It's drop-off. Then it might be a dink over a forward to a, to a full-back that's pushed a bit higher because the wing-back has, has, has come inside higher at the pitch. Or, or then, as you look at um, Edison at, uh, at um, Man City, how, how he plays, you know, he's, he's hitting balls. When everyone's coming short, thinking they're going to play out of the back, he can see the striker making a run and he can ping it 60, 70 yards over the top and it's they're in on goal. So you have to have the the vision and the adaptability to be able to play out the back but still be able to pick a pick someone out up front. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade Two. Play it now with Game Pass. Last night, Dave. Last night we played Mamalodi Sundowns, uh, who were top of the league and and are probably the second best team in Africa, uh, behind uh, e- Egypt champions Hal Hachali, right and. Their goalkeeper is six foot five, right? And at every goal kick, his job was to t- touch it one meter to the centre yeah. half. Yeah. That was his job. That was his job. And we we put pressure on them. And I, and and what the centre half did, because we put pressure on it, it kicked it over the halfway line. But they were still in the eighteen yard box. Yeah. I don't get that. I don't get that. I mean, literally, it was it was just touching it with his toe, rolling it, you know, the circumference, and they was punting it. We were picking the ball up, and they were still in the eighteen yard box. I mean, that 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 baffles me sometimes that you know they they're happy to do that, you know. And I know the game's changed, but if you're a goalkeeper and you're six foot five and you're built like yourself, who can kick it well into the opponent's half. Surely, from a goal kick to go and play and get the second ball, surely that's better than playing it in that six-yard box. I, you know, I, I yeah. don't know. I don't know. Now, Dylan, I agree that I mean, if if that's what you're going to be doing, you're playing it short, and then when you're pressurised, you have to go long because you're not that comfortable or capable on the ball. Then, what's the, what's the point? Because, like you're saying, you're leaving yourself so deep, you're so stretched, and when you lose the ball on the halfway line, you know, you've got so much ground to try and cover and make up and the opposition have got, you know, can pick your pockets really. So, you know, I, th- I think that the, the teams that do it and do it well, obviously, you see how good Man City are at doing it. You see how good Liverpool are, you know, how they play out of that. You know, you see last night, did you, I don't know, the Real Madrid game. If you had a game last night, you probably didn't see it, but Real Madrid v Chelsea. Like you're saying, the, the centre-half was actually kicking the ball to Courtois in the six-yard box. Not the, not the goalkeeper taking. He was kicking it to Courtois, and he was playing it. You know, suddenly when you got defenders level with the six yard box, that's not my comfort zone. But that is the way you play because you're opening teams out, you're stretching them out, you're leaving pockets, and if you're good enough players, you're good enough to play around and the movement to get the ball the next pass. See, that's the big thing is it's when the first pass goes, 
you can be pressurized. It's all the movement has to come off the back of the first pass. And, you know, that's one thing that we used to go through so, you know, so many times a day was right. Goalkeeper starts the ball, you know, Liam Moore and uh, Tiago Laurie, you drop out there. Liam Kelly, you drop through the space. If you're shut down, it might be a dink over, over the midfield into, you know, Swifty who's, who's a bit higher. So, you know, you, all the, all the different types of movement are creating spaces somewhere else. So that's where, you know, the goalkeeping, you have to, ha- you have to have the midfield of a, uh, the, the vision of a midfielder as well as the ability to stop the ball. And I think that sometimes goalkeeping has changed too much. I think that priority, and I think we see it with Claudio Bravo at Man City, the priority was being able to play out of the back and as a goalkeeper and not keep the ball at the back of the net. Cause you know, he was good with his feet, but, he kept letting the ball in, in past him all the time. And my priority, my priority would be let's keep the ball at the back of the net. And if I can play out and, and assist you the way you want to play, but that's what I say, you know, nowadays managers are demanding more from their goalkeepers and, and looking for different different um qualities in their goalkeepers. But with with young goalkeepers, Dave, obviously when you played a different game, you know, the back pass rule came in. When you're working with young keepers, what sort of attributes do you look for now, which I imagine, like you say, would be different to 20 years ago, because now they have to play football, don't they, before you just kick the ball and be a good goalkeeper, a good shot stopper. And, and you didn't have to be the biggest either. No, I think, I mean, I can remember, I go back to Wimbledon and, and the goalkeeper that I worked with as a young, I was still fairly young, but Neil Sullivan was my apprentice at Wimbledon. Yeah. And, and they weren't sure about him. You know, he's one of those that they looked at and they were going, we're not sure about him. What's, what's your opinion? I said, well, when I work with him, he catches the ball. And I like a goalkeeper who, who catches the ball. And so I said, I think he's worth, you know, giving a contract. And they, they gave him a contract. And then, you know, he, he matured and got better. And he, he ended up playing for Scotland. So he, he couldn't have been too bad. And that's what we work on in training. And I know that it's, it's an area which I, it frustrates me because I look at matches and I see goalkeepers when a ball is, is here and they pad it away. And I'm thinking... You know, it's catch it. You know, that's what yeah. that's what we work on every day in training. You know, they, they catch three hundred balls in training. You know, if that's me serving them, and it, all right. Then when they go in with the outfield players, obviously the outfield players are trying to beat them. I'm trying to work them more than beat them. But then I still say, right, here we go. Now I'm going to beat you, and and you have to make the decision up. But we like to try, or I like to try, and work on them catching the ball, and then if they can't catch, deflect to a safe area. Whereas it's a safe area is a deflect for a corner or wide, not a palm on the ball, pat it back at play. And then you get one of your own centre halves coming, it hits him on the knee and flies into the top corner. So it's it's putting the ball into safe areas if you can't if you can't catch it cleanly. Do you think sometimes goalkeepers nowadays try to be too flash? It's almost like for the look, as I say, like we had a goal let in the other day in Ireland, and I don't know if you saw it on whenever it was Monday, Tuesday night. And he should have done better with it. It's like he was trying to make it look a good save, but he didn't get behind it and do what to me is the basics of a goalkeeper would do is to get your hands behind the ball, do you know? Yeah, I mean, I do see too many, you know, we see it, every every match is televised. So every time you, you make a save, it's on telly. And sometimes, you know, you try and make it, I think modern day goalkeepers can try and make it look too spectacular to make it look a good one for the TV rather than saying, you know, it's strange how, and, and Dylan will back me up here, is, is our mentalities change. And like, you know, I, I looked at the keepers that I, I admired, you know, like the Gordon Banks and Phil Parks, QPR, and, and, 
and I when I spoke to them is try and make the save look simple. Yeah. You know, don't try and make it look difficult. You know, be in the right position, make a save look simple. And then if you have to go, then you know they they've they've done something really to test you. And the other aspect was don't show the opposition they've hurt you. If you're going for a tackle, you know, and they've hurt you, don't don't lay on the floor rolling around. Get up. When they're not looking, rub it. You know, like it's one whereas the, the modern day thing is like you say, is like, let's try and flick my feet up here and dive over there or, or take a step that way to dive dive to my left. Um, you know, and I think we, we heard more in in lockdown when there was no fans at games, you actually heard players scream. And then when you see the video footage afterwards, they haven't actually been touched. So you know, that's that's the side of the game that that frustrates me and really you know annoys me. And you know I, I don't think I could I could have played in the modern day game because I, I don't I don't I just don't like that type of thing. And uh, but Dave, you know when you know when uh, you say about when you were a goalkeeper, you didn't have a goalkeeper coach. You may have got a goalkeeper coming maybe one day a week. Yeah. I remember when I, I was at Sheffield Wednesday in the 80, 84 to 86, Alan Hodgkinson came Alan one day Hodgkinson. a week. Yeah. Yeah, he was brilliant. I mean, he was, he was little, old he? school. Yeah, and, and then when, when, we, when I was at Reading, we had uh, Peter Benetti. Yeah. Came with uh, Shaka every Wednesday. And he would spend the day with Shaka every Wednesday with Simon yeah. Shepard and, and the young keepers. And, you know, there was no quick feet. There was no hurdles. There was no hoops. There was no, there was none of that. It was just it was just goalkeeping techniques. And yeah. then when we were training, that's when the that's when the goalkeepers be, got better. You know, that's because we were we were so you know giving them shots to save. And now you you know your goalkeeper coaches in a, are in a different. You know, system now because they spend a lot of time before the keepers, uh, before the players train with the go- with the goalkeepers, and it, the, the trends are different now. I mean, it's it, it's really changed, and it obviously evolves and it and it moves on. But do you think that the keepers are getting better? Do you think the keepers are getting better? Is, is it improving the goalkeepers because they're having to become the extra centre back now? Yeah, I, th- I think like we say, you said you said the game's evolved and and everything has, and and the modern day football is is one that's you know is is not a leverable like we used to have. It's a it might be leverable, but it's coated plastic and and they move around. But like you're saying, when, when the cat Peter Burnett used to come in with Shaka one day a week and he'd spend the whole day. See, this is the thing now, the goalkeepers have the the luxury of having a goalkeeping coach every day of the week. Now, sometimes you could say maybe they're, you know, a bit pampered a little bit. They have too much of it, but um, to get the work done. So as I mean, cause like I know when, you know, when I, when I used to go and go with the strikers, when they didn't have a goalkeeping coach, all they want to do is beat me and I'm not getting no work done. I'm not getting the things done that I need to do. And so I also, for my mental state, for my confidence, I need to be making saves as well not just them beating me. And then because of what I'm doing with my goalkeeping coach, it's going to give me a, the, the chance to be able to move my, move my feet a little bit quicker, to get a little bit more spring into my dive because I've been working it during the week and I might get, get a, a, a fingertip to that shot that you know the striker had been hitting if, and he was hitting it every day of the week against me without a goalkeeping coach. 
I'll be getting frustrated, annoyed. I'll probably be wanting to kick the centre forward up in the air. That's what I'd be doing. I'd be saying, right, next time I get the chance to do do so, I'm going to smash you because you're taking the mickey out of me because, you know, you're getting into, you know, because it's not like we do a shooting session from 25 yards where the goalkeeper's got a chance. It's bring the ball, as you would do in a game, let's make it realistic, get the ball, and you're shooting from seven, eight yards. Keeper's not going to have a great deal of a chance unless you've worked on things which, you know, there, there's certain aspects which, Again, I, I'm not a fan of like, you know, this this star, they call it. You know, the goalkeepers jump in the air with, like the handball goalkeepers. That's great for a handball because the goal is two metres by two metres or maybe less. So you haven't got such a big area to, to dive in. You haven't got to, to push to, to make a save. Whereas when you're in the air, your feet are off the ground. So you can't change direction. You know, I, I was a, I was, a, my philosophy is get your feet on the ground, get set when they're coming in, and then you can react. When you're in the air, the ball's got to hit you. Now, a lot of times it does hit you. So, you know, you can say well, it's working, but it'd probably hit me if I was standing still with my feet on the ground anyway. But I then would have had the ability to be able to push off and, and make a save. Hey, we're just kind of coming up towards the end now. I just got one last question, if you don't mind. What advice would you give? to young goalkeepers coming into the game now. And you know the old adage that goalkeepers improve with age. Like you play or you're on the bench when you're 55, I think, for, for a league game. <laughs> what what you know that how does they what what improves as you get older as a keeper? Is it just knowledge of the game? Yeah, I think it is. I think it's your understanding and and um I mean I I go back to I always use examples of goalkeepers and top goalkeepers. And I go back to David James. And David James, when he was playing for Liverpool, must have been a top goalkeeper to be at Liverpool. But he was making some horrendous errors. And the yeah. thing is, as a goalkeeper, you have to, no matter what type of game it is, you have to let the game come to you. You can't go looking, you know, like thinking, right, the ball's out wide, the next cross that comes in, I'm coming for. Because that's your mental state. You're in that position, oh, he's coming. Okay. And then it, start, it leaves his foot and you start coming for it. And then you realise... It's dropping five yards short or it's it's going to go two yards too long. And then you've made the wrong decision. You're in the wrong position. And I think that I was, I learned by thinking, right, wait for it to come to me. Goalkeepers make decisions when the ball's probably two or three yards off of, off of the person's foot when they're either crossing it or shooting you. You know, that's when you're, you know where it's going to go. Um, and I think that my reaction time, although I got older, got better because I understood more where, where yeah. the ball was going. So I reacted slightly quicker because I knew where the ball was going to go. So I think things like that. And, and the thing is, you know, Luke, Luke Southwood, who, who started the season fantastic at, at Reading. And, and then, and I, you know this with young goalkeepers, they can come in and really hit a peak for four or five games. But to be consistent over, over 30 odd games, it's, it's tough for them. And that's where, you know, look, you take them out, yeah. Give them their, their breather, you know, let them, let them see what's going on and then put them back in again. And, you know, and sometimes when, you know, the, you're in adverse position, as, as Reading have been regarding the goalkeepers and things like that, you know, you have to persevere and, and rely and, 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 you know, count on that person to continue. And, and I could see with Luke that he'd lost a bit of confidence and, and it was affecting yeah. him. And, you know, it was, you know, you could see he was getting a bit deeper because he's, He's not the biggest, but he's he's very happy to come for crosses, Luke. 
yeah. you know, and I, I suddenly see him going backwards and thinking, oh, you know, because because some of the decisions he'd made in previous games weren't weren't the best for him, and uh, he'd been punished for it. But uh, you know, he, he'd come back better, and um, you know, I think he he could go on to be a a better goalkeeper than maybe I gave him credit for. Dave, I'd say thanks so much for your time. I've loved listening to you. I really have. And to you, Dylan. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on, on the show with us tonight. Yeah, I've enjoyed it, Johnny. Thank you very much. Um, OK, so uh, that's, that's a wrap for us. Um, next, coming up, we've got Jamie Curitan with us on uh, tomorrow morning. And in Mark's words, to end the show, come on, you ours. Sports Social Podcast Network. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.